You may know my next guest from films like Twins, Kindergarten Cop, he, and The Mass. He scored those films in particular, and he's had some songs uh, being taken by Barry Manilow and The Carpenters. How's it going, Randy Edelman? It's going good, baby. Uh, you know what? It's uh, something I've been looking forward to all day to sit down and talk to you. Um, the show is called Meet Me for Coffee. Do you like coffee? Awesome. What does that say? What does that say? It says Abbey Road. That's right. That's where I work. So there's my cup. And in the cup is coffee. Beautiful. Right now. What kind of, how do you take your coffee? Special. I got my own blend. Seriously, oh. you you walk in the place, they got my name on it and my blend. I'm not going to give you the, uh, the secret. The secret. Well, you won't have to dispel any secrets, but uh, talk about your career from the beginning. Um, I know beginning. you. As Whoa, a, as you a, don't want to do that. Well, I know it's a, it's a, it's a big period of time. <laughs> uh, growing up as a child, uh, you really uh, were immersed in the arrangement of music uh, to the point where you're putting your ear up against the speaker to hear different arrangements and stuff like that. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, and yeah. And uh, you know, later on, you ended up being uh, <laughs> in charge of a few cool things. Uh, when you're in your uh, under twenty years old, you're actually going around and and. And directing like I was going around directing all these people. Yeah, what did I know nothing. Unreal. I knew a lot. Yeah, unreal. Like how how did that how did that happen the first the first time? How that how did you step into that? Room? How does anything happen? Work. Yeah. Studying serious shit, man. Yeah, I was a, a conservatory trained musician since I was a young kid, and then I, you know, I I studied and. But was always, you know, had my ear listening to the radio and stuff like that. So instead of going into what may have been uh, predicted for me, uh, I ended up uh, doing lots of other stuff. But I was prepared for it. You know, you always, you know, when you get an opportunity, you have to be able to, uh, uh, you know, to run with it. So uh, seriously, I was um, really a, 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 a... a well-trained musician. And so when I got the opportunities when I was young to be a conductor, to play on Broadway, I was doing all those things. Um, but it's not like I came out of nowhere. I did come out of nowhere for sure, but I was, I was, you know, ready, uh, to do. Usually that's what happened. I, I, uh, I was thrown into something even like songwriting, uh, that, that was, a whole other thing but i didn't i i i didn't write songs so how did i get an album deal i had never written a song or well you know i i faked it but i faked it pretty well so you know that's how things happened but as far as the musical things and the orchestras and the conducting and being a musical director when i was young before all this other stuff happened obviously um you know i was you know i seriously put a lot of time into it let's put it that way yeah, every time you, there's something that happens to you, it's because you put the work in, right? And you, well, you put the, you know, it's just like anything else, and any it doesn't matter if it's music, you know, you you have to get the opportunity, a little luck, opportunity, and then you got to be ready, because if you're not, then you know what happens. But it, it has it's it's music is not like any other area, so that that's what happened to me, and um. You know, when you look back on these things, especially me doing all this different kinds of things within the, quote, field of music, um, it's like you don't realize it at the time, looking back, some of the things that happened to me, how 
really incredible they were. Uh, it's like you do an album, and what do you want? You want the album the next day to be a big hit. And then if it's not, you you know, you think, oh, it's a failure. Well, it turns out there's lots of things that could happen, you know, from something like that, as well as other things you're involved with. So you kind of have to look at it couple of different ways you know yeah i mean like sometimes the the record label picks the the wrong song to promote about you. they always i that's me a hundred percent of the time which is why uh i went to england and i had my big hits with me as an artist thank god they didn't happen here seriously we'll, we'll talk about that in a little while when you ask me about some other things but um so I went there where they we they speak the same language. Like why wouldn't why would something happen so big in London and not happen here? You know, uh, but you can't figure these things out. So I just would uh, go along with it and take it to a different or the next level. That's all. Well, you had some pretty interesting things happen to you. You had the Carpenters discover you and bring you on tour. Well, yeah, that yeah, and and like it's just. It, it was incredible, but I didn't really, I was very young. I mean, they were young. We were about the same age. Karen was a little younger, but they were, they hadn't been around except they were selling me millions of records. So uh, they, they didn't, they heard this album I did, which believe me, no one heard you know, too long a story to get into how they heard it. Obviously, there's got to be a link because, you know, at the time, that's right when the record business, well, not right then, but the music business changed, you know, publisher, you know, people that were recording and selling all the 99% of the records produced and wrote their own stuff. It wasn't any longer, you know, a music publisher taking a song to a producer at a record label who has artists signed to him and then they listen to his song and, you know, Frank Sinatra or whoever it is. That all had changed, obviously. Doesn't matter going back to the Beatles or Bob Dylan or anybody early on, the music, it the business shifted. So therefore, for by the time I kind of got on the scene, even though I wasn't on the scene because I didn't even know there was a scene. If you wanted your songs recorded, you had to do them yourself because the the amount of people recording songs had gone to nothing. There were like a few little people. The rest of the people were, it doesn't matter if it was the Eagles or the Beatles or Bob Dylan or James Taylor or anybody. So now, why am I saying this? I'm circling right back to what you just asked me about. The Carpenters, they were one of the few people who were, and by the way, at the time, they were about, their style of music was as about out as you could get when they were in their heyday, but they were selling records. So what I'm saying is, they were like, if there was anyone in the world that was a songwriter at the time, who would be the one person, people in the, the people in the world you'd want to do your songs, who actually could do a song, it was the Carpenters. So it, it was like a real needle in a haystack to get with them. And did I try to get with them? Of course not. If you try to get with someone, you can't. There's got to be some link. So what happened is Richard, who's a very talented guy, uh, who's a piano player and arranger really hooked on to my album and my playing on this album. And um, so he heard it. And not only 
they recorded some songs and took me out on tour as their opening act. We're talking about not opening act in like a, a concert hall. We're talking about sports arenas. You know what I mean? Big time stuff. And here's a guy, me, who had never sung even for my mother or in the shower. And all I knew were the 10 songs that I had once sung on that album. That's it. That is it. That's I wasn't a performer. I didn't. Now, was I into it? Did I write the songs? Of course, you know. And so my my musician thing was going on in a different director, but I was happy to do that. But I just never uh, knew what was going to happen. And so they took me out on tour and I had to get up in front of like, <laughs> you know, 10, 15,000 people a night and sit at a piano playing 10, the only 10 songs I knew unknown songs from my album and you know i'll just we're gonna get off this because it goes on well all my things go on a little long what happens a few days after i'm on tour with the carpenters and now i'm feeling comfortable won't even get into like (laughs) the first time you know and just having never experienced that uh anything like that um I get a call from the agency that I was with, you know, like one of them, William Morris agency, because he had to be with a agency. And they said, oh, your next concert, it, we were on like a big college tour with the Carpenters wasn't to, let's say, next Thursday. So, you know what? We got somebody. Uh, you're in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Well, if you're in, uh, you know, uh, Memphis tomorrow, we, we have somebody for you to open for. You can be there. And, okay, who is it? Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. Okay, now, you you try to tell me two completely diverse audiences. It will be the audience for a Carpenter concert and the audience for Frank Zappa. But it's not like, oh, I better uh, adjust my show. I didn't have a show. I only knew the 10 fucking songs on that album. So, of course, I went and I did those songs. And, of course, it was a it was a riot. People were throwing things at me. They were screaming, get off the stage. It's a, it's a great story. There's, there's much more. If I was sitting with you, I could show you something, but I, I can't right now. So I'll just all I can say is so I did that. And then, you know, I was suddenly going around opening for all these people at these big concerts because why i was easy see i was easy just throw this schmuck up at the piano and don't have to deal with it some sound check my sound checks now although i i don't do this stuff really anymore too much uh it's like you turn the mic on i sing okay great i walk out i don't pay any i do i need monitors yeah give me some monitors i don't really need to anyway that that's it okay stop I'm stopping now. I'm it, having another it, it probably with you in, in Frank Zappa's concert there. It was probably like 45 minutes, felt like 45 hours. You, know, you just- can't even, I wish I could tell you the story because you'd just be on the floor. It's a classic story. Um, I have nothing in my studio. I'm going to show you something, okay? I have nothing. I have a billion gold records. I've done 100 films, these huge monster hit movies. Do I have any put? Nothing's up. But you know what I have? I'm going to show you. You there? You're yeah. going to laugh. One thing relating to my work. Can you see it? Unreal. Can you Unreal. see it? Yeah. It, okay. Isn't that funny? I'm telling you, you know, 
uh, that's I swear to God, there's there's a couple of things, you know, nothing, nothing's up except that little thing. And I didn't even have that. Someone had to send that to me a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, that's that's incredible. Like, it's and, it's and not the, that. It's you know. Anyway, it's just a little story. Okay, sorry. So now you continue on with your uh, your coffee talk. Well, you know what is stuff like that that like gets me really interested. I like being nostalgic too, and it probably like well, brings you it, back to that moment when somebody gives you a gift like that. Oh, you mean that thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the moment was the doing it, you know. Yeah. I mean, yes. You know, now, of course, everybody has everything because of the phones and the technology. In those days, like if someone didn't snap a picture of that marquee that night, I wouldn't have it, you know. But, uh, you know, I I guess I guess you do have some new music. Uh, I heard the song coming out uh, the other side. Uh, Well, I have new music all the time. But yeah. because I've been scoring films for the last 25 years, not nonstop, I don't do that anymore. However, obviously I do. And I had a blast uh, doing this thing right here where I'm sitting. I recorded it here and play everything myself. There's nobody else on the on the record. And, it, you know, it's kind of a fun thing about it. It's not, you know, it's got a message with the COVID, but it's obviously a fun thing about how when we, you know, get out and we thought we were getting out a few months ago and we thought it was going to be over because of the vaccine, um, we're going to go out and have a good time. And that's really about, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to belittle it. Uh, that's what the thing is about. And I had an absolute blast. I'm screaming and yelling on the, quote, record. Uh, I had no intention of ever letting anybody hear it. Um, but I did it and I you know, felt good about it. And then, you know, somebody, a couple of people heard it. They said, Oh, come on, you gotta, somebody's got to hear this. And that's, that's uh, the story, but that, that's what it is. It's just a really fun um, track that I did here. And like I said, uh, although I wrote a million songs and did albums and all that kind of stuff, it's been a while since I did that. So, and this thing is a real departure. Most of my, other things were kind of, you know, big ballads and kind of sweet things. And it's not that this isn't, it has a certain sweetness, but it's a completely different, it's a takeoff of uh, Buddy Holly's Peggy Sue 1957 record. That's really what this is. Even though it doesn't sound exactly like it, if, if I tell you that, you may not pick up on it. At the beginning, you listen with that in mind, you'll hear what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, it, it is a great track, and uh, you've been busy scoring uh, films and such. Um, how how does someone get like when you start scoring a film? Like, how does that work? Do you just come up with whatever you come? You okay. Come up well, well, you you. Um, sorry about the phone. Um, well, you have to watch every frame of that movie, and you better you have to be able to come up with something. And it's got to be fast and it's got to be perfect and it's got to be right. It can't be fast, but the music's not not right. The, the mood is wrong and you can't take a lot of time and it'd be right. So you got to be fast and right. That's what I always say about this stuff. And plus, you have to have all your musical chops uh in order to pull this off. And the same thing I said before about other things, it's opportunity and you don't just get into scoring films. <laughs> it's a, I didn't just decide, Oh, I, gee, I had no interest at all. You know, I, I want to score a film. I was doing 
a million things for 20 years before I got, you know, the quote opportunity that led me into doing a hundred movies, you know, in, you know, uh, so, uh, but you, it's, it's 24 seven. I don't go out. I don't have time to see anybody. And that's how it's been for all these years. And you know what? It's, it's great. You're under a lot of pressure, but there's a lot of musically. It is very satisfying. And for me, the songwriting thing was kind of a, a, a fluke that I even got into doing it, let alone being an artist or singing or writing lyrics. Um, so it's not like that was my dream. Uh, so I just used uh, the great experience I had by uh, writing and producing and arranging my own records. Uh, and I applied that when I started uh, scoring some films and television and that was a great background to have because um especially all the you know comedies i mean i was the king of comedy whether it was twins or kindergarten cop or my cousin vinnie or the mask or you know uh, if i had to make something uh hip fast i knew how to do that you know you can't just sit stand in front of an orchestra and do that so that that record that song uh album background was good in that sense for scoring films even though most of it was you know big like last of the mohegans and gettysburg and dragonheart and all those big things that i did uh they were more orchestral settings you know not pop stuff at all you know and i never ever uh would write a song or anything like that. that's a for a film that's a completely different uh you know discipline so film scoring is one thing and songwriting is something else you know completely now when you score a film it's you listen to the director right so if he doesn't like this you basically cut it right mm, no it's not that simple no yes you have to listen to a director um it's not a question of cutting it. It's a question of you realize they're not happy and then you got to come up with something else. You and people say, well, how long do you have? You have a week. If they give you a week, you have three months. If they give you three months, you have as long as whatever. Each film is a different situation. You come into it uh, in a million different. You know, they're all different, which is actually what makes it interesting for me. I love the things where there was no time and somebody was thrown out. And, you know, I love that because they can't screw with you. They don't have a lot of time. And these are big movies. They're Hollywood, you know, studio films. So, you know, uh, I kind of like that rather than, you know, you have a lot of time and, (laughs) but there, yeah, there's always a, that's what a film composer has to be. You have to be able to kind of have a certain, um, personality which by the way i don't have you know to be able to collaborate i mean i i have somewhat uh, of what is involved but sometimes i'm a little uh you know i just can't uh from a musical standpoint because because these people aren't musicians and they don't have to be but every director it's the same thing they'll say i you know i love doing this but my favorite part is composing the music and you go like what do you mean your favorite part is come on? You're not composing a note. Well, they're trying to tell you how much they enjoy the process. And then that's always the beginning of the end, you know? 
<laughs> when they say that. But they all say the same thing. They're all, and they're all either one guy's an opera expert, another guy's a jazz uh, expert, and the other guy is a funk. You know, they all have their expertise, which they don't have any expertise at all. It's what they, they love, and that's fine. Uh, so, you know, you, you kind of have to deal with them and, and deal with something called a temp score. You know what a temp score is, right? Uh, kind of, but... You can imagine, right. Well, every movie, they don't spend any time on the real score that you hear. Every The time is spent on a temp score, and that's what they put in from after the movie shot and the editor and the director put in. And, of course, technology now uh, makes it possible to put music in or try stuff. It used to be years ago, well, you have to go out and get something and then listen to it. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You press a button. You want Bach? You're Bach. You want Beethoven? You're Beethoven. You want the Rolling Stones? You're, you know, boom, boom, boom. You just put the track in. No, that's not a good idea. You know, that makes it very hard for a composer. Then uh, then they use that music when they watch dailies and they use the music when they screen it uh, at screenings that the studio has for a, an audience to see how people like the, the picture. And so what I'm saying is they spend time with this temp score. Now, finally, they get around to the last person who's involved in this project, making an important contribution. You know who that is? That's me. Okay. That's a composer. All these other people could have been involved for, I, I'm telling you, sir, 20 years. You say, how could someone make 20? Uh, that That's nothing. There's longer ones. It doesn't matter if someone uh, uh, licensed a book or they wrote a screenplay and then it went to this studio and then a star drop. There's all different stories of why these things. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's the stupidest uh, movie in the world. It has nothing to do with the length of time. It could be something that's fantastic and a beautiful film. And maybe that's only been around two years. It has nothing to do with that. It's just whatever uh, the source material, whatever the story is. And it doesn't matter if it's an action film or a comedy or a wonderful period drama. They all have their own histories. And everybody's taken all this time. And at the end, you say, well, why don't they bring a composer in? It just doesn't work like that. They don't bring a composer in until... The thing is locked, you know, so you're kind of entering this family, uh, whatever the story is. And it's like uh, they dare you. And then you may say, well, if they ask you to do it and you've done all this, these films, don't they trust you? No, <laughs> you know, that's just not the way it is. So but for me, it just makes it really interesting, you know, and then after a while, you just get used to the 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 way these things uh, occur and they're all different. There's always like a new guy at the door, you know, and um, they all have different backgrounds. It used to be film directors. You would say, well, what have they done? And you'd say, oh, years ago, yeah, they came out. What did they come out of? They came out of the theater. They were the directors on Broadway. Or, I mean, it's not like that anymore. They may come out of a music videos or their writers or screen, you know, different places. So, you just have to, um, but when you said, um, yeah, they come over. And of course, because of the technology, everything's back to the technology now. It used to be, what did a guy have? He had a moviola. If he was a big shot comp composer and a piano. How could you, 
how could you show somebody what it was? Well, somehow all that great music was written like that. Now they can come over here and I can do a full-blown mock-up of any kind of music and it'll sound, if you don't like it here, you won't like it when I go to Abbey Road with the London Symphony. It's it's going to be the same sounding thing. And um, that's, that's because of the technology. So these guys are used to coming over and hearing it. And you can't say, well, it's not going to sound like that because this is primitive. No, they, these guys are used to hearing, you know, full blown stuff. And um, so the the situation between a director and a composer is now a lot different than it used to be. 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago because they couldn't hear stuff until you got on the soundstage with like a full orchestra, you know? Is there is there ever, like how, how long do you have to watch the movie to actually get a feel for what's going on or, you know, to compose that specific part? Nothing. Zero. Zero. You don't have any time. You got to look and write. That's the way it works. Huh. Now, Yes. If you have a little more time, it depends. But basically, you can't sit around. I, I, I won't. I'll try to be uh, good as far as my language here. You can't sit around here. You know, it, it, you don't have that time. You got to look at something and you have to write something, because if you don't, you know that by the afternoon, you're supposed to be on another section. And if you haven't come up with that thing that you were thinking about and scratching your head, you're going to have to deal with it at five o'clock in the morning because you've already fallen behind. I mean, music for movies, you're writing at least an hour of music. That's a lot of music for all these films, be it comedy, action, whatever it is. So you have to write something. And what happens is, so each, each piece, see, film scores are made up of cues, a cue is like a song, but it's not a song. It's not with lyrics. It is a piece of music that starts at A and ends at B. It could be 10 seconds long. It could be 10 minutes long. So that's what you have. And you have to proceed and then come up with your themes. And then it's like, well, suppose you can't come up with a theme at the beginning. Or, or, or instead of theme may not be a, a good word a certain musical kind of riff or a melodic thing or a sound that you're going to use throughout the picture. And if you don't come up with that at the beginning, well, maybe you'll come up with something at the end. Then you got to circle back the beginning and you'll say, you know what? I came up with something in real five for the main character that I think that I didn't have four days ago. So you got to go back. You got to figure out a way to stay up with it because before you turn around, it's your recording date. Now, not only do you have to write that and do like I said, you got to deal with the guy at the door every day, the director knocking on the door and you're trying to say, hey, do me a favor. Let me look at this thing and come up. You don't have time to play him stuff. First, you have to write something that you hopefully feel is really good that you're going to play for him that he's going to like. But you don't have that kind of time. So it's a real it's a crapshoot. That's what it is. But you know what? It's the greatest thing in the world, bar none, to be doing something like this, because as opposed to a, an album or a Broadway show or something, you write the music. If you're lucky enough, it comes out and then you wait with this stuff. You write it 
you record it very quickly and then it's out in 3000 theaters. The next, when I say the next day, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's out there. At least that's the way it happened with me. I hit this, everything at a certain time. Uh, and, and now of course, everything has changed with streaming and Netflix and all that stuff. But the, the way you go about it is still the same. It doesn't matter. You know, this is very insightful. Like this is stuff that I actually didn't really know. So, well, um, okay. Well, again, if you, you know, we, I, I'm sorry because I'm going, it's just, if you ask about it, uh, yeah, it's a very, um, uh, it's, it's a really involved thing. And, and obviously there's not, you know, in, in the, in the world, there's no, hardly any people who do it. Now, if you live where I do, like when my kid went to school, it's like, oh, four people in his class, their fathers are, were film composers. That's because I'm sitting here in Beverly Hills and it's Hollywood, you know what I mean? But as far as in the world, how many people are doing, you know, big Hollywood movies? Well, none, but they're all here, you know, most of them are here, you know, or they, they're here for a lot of the time. So it's, um, it's it's a pressured thing, but very rewarding in a passionate musical sense. And and each one of these uh, movies, I don't make any judgment on if they're good or bad or the style. Once I'm doing it, you just get into it and you live. I don't care if it's an Adam Sandler movie or it's Last of the Mohegans, you know, with Daniel Day-Lewis. It's the same working or an eddie murphy film or you know it's just it's it's the same thing you're just i'm what i am is i'm a character in the movie and so i become different characters and i live that character for the four weeks or four months or however long you're on the movie and you've you've got to find something in that movie to latch onto you that is the in the, the way the director uh, the style of the way he shot it or a certain character or even uh, location like the location of the film will dictate possibly the location the year that it was you know supposedly takes place that all determines hopefully what a really unique score is for that particular movie. And uh, you have to take into all those considerations um, when you're looking at it and when you're writing something and you have to hear it kind of in your head as you're doing it, you know, the full blown, whatever the outcome is going to be of the sonically of the sound of it. So, you know, it's, it's involved. And um, it's, you know, it sounds complicated and it is, but in the end, you kind of, if you can do it and pull it off, because if you can't pull it off, you're found out very quickly. And, you know, there's, there is no other one, you know, it's just a very uh, tough business to say the least, you know, and political and, you know, all kinds of stuff, but uh, it's been great. And uh, like I said, I, I, I went from doing one thing into something else that's totally different. And I haven't had time to even look back at that other career that I have. Some people accuse me all the time. Uh, I'm the son of that other person. So I swear to God, I don't even want to tell you how often this happens. Um, 
And then you go, well, no, I was writing songs and doing those albums and I was in my early 20s or blah, 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 blah. Now it's all these years later. And I do that. It does. It's not that far fetched. But because musically, it's such a change. Uh, the big, especially the big dramatic orchestral stuff from the songwriting or the quote artist uh, from what I was doing that they can't, they, they, they don't, they don't even consider right away. Oh, it's the same person. <laughs> no, it's like you, you must be either the same name or you're the son of that person. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes, sometimes uh, time passes and then time passes, baby. Yeah. And it passes and I'm still sitting right here. No, I'm sitting in a very good spot. But yeah, so, so it's it's been really a great ride and interesting. And I'm, I'm grateful, uh, you know, and that I was that fortunate. Although, you know, like I said, when you're going through these things, you, you kind of don't realize. And then you look back and you say, wow, suppose this wouldn't have happened or that wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't be sitting right here. You may be sitting in a better place or you could be sitting nowhere you know you know in the scheme of whatever you've done so it's it's been great so uh, you you uh, i've talked too long you know and as far as the record the reason we're talking is because they have me doing all this stuff with the record and i love the record and i love the way it sounds it's totally low-key um i don't sound the way i did years ago it's a different kind of track and the song is fun and i'm screaming and playing everything myself and so i it's a blast so i've been doing you know now i'm gonna have to go out and do some open my mouth again but it won't be with frank zappa i'll tell you that <laughs> Get fun. this has been very insightful and it was great meeting you uh randy it's uh we'll have to do this again there's so much more information to get out oh of yeah you. we we've we haven't even scratched the surface but and like i said i'm sorry i could have just s- sat and said nothing and you could have just asked me questions you know but no this is great it's great to hear honestly it's really refreshing to hear guests talk right uh sometimes it's very hard to talk to someone and uh, you you have been one of the best guests i've had in in quite some time oh thank you thank things and insight and stuff like that again i didn't really know that much in in uh scoring of music for the for films and stuff like that so i love that stuff i love hearing that And, and i'll be able to process that information and go research it right so it's uh Oh, really sure. Yeah, it's a it's a great. Yeah, it's a it's it's great area. I don't know if um, I always say because sometimes people they don't think it, you know, people who, who do this, I think they look for the opportunity to talk about it. And people are kind of like they'll think they've done this thing or that thing. And they don't I, people who do it like I do it welcome the opportunity to talk about it because it's it's a unique area and it's very involved and it's like i said it's a very pressured political tough thing and you have everybody has to kind of navigate their way through it and the main thing is obviously what are you doing well you're composing music and hopefully at the end of each one of these films each one of these projects you've come up with something unique to that picture you've helped the director realize his vision like i said whatever a film is a silly comedy or a serious dramatic thing and you've added an original um layer uh to a film that has a long history that nothing else 
uh, could have done. Now, other people could have written it differently, but so that's what you do. And, and fortunately, um, I've written so much stuff and now, and my music is lifted from the film or from the soundtrack and used for everything that I have all the big Super Bowl and the Olympics. And what are they using? They're using the music that I wrote, not for that. I wrote it for something else. But as opposed to some people always saying, oh, don't, don't you go crazy when you hear that? Because that's not what you wrote it for. No, on the contrary, I'm completely flattered if someone does to sporting events as they do or trailers or commercials uh, because all I was doing was sitting here trying to make a certain scene work for a director and that's what I came up with whether that music is only used in that film and that scene and no one ever hears it again or if it's used for something else that's fine that means it conveyed a certain mood be it triumphant be it comedy be it whatever it is, or action, or drama. Um, so it's fine, and I kind of um, take it as a compliment that everybody's using this stuff for a different, you know, uh, arena. Well, thank you, Randy. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. It's Me for Coffee with Randy Edelman. Yeah, um, don't forget, we got the coffee. The Jesus. Special you know blend. what? I, I, I'm going to tell you something, and then we'll go. I they gave me, you know, all these cups. You know how many is left? How many? This one. This is it. I've broken. I've dropped them or somebody, you know. Yeah, I've got one left. You know what that means? I haven't been able because of the COVID to score anything over there. I gotta get back to London. And I hear I, I need another waiting box for of you. cups. They're, they're waiting. And if I get it, I'm gonna send you one. I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care.